It's the best bits of the all-day breakfast, reheated on SID 90.7. Welcome back, you're on Sin 90.7, that was Prodigy with Give Him Hell, and uh, you're listening to the first ever episode of the All Day Breakfast. All Day Breakfast. It is the show for the late waker. We are we here on the All Day Breakfast, we like to sleep in, we like to just, you know, play it cool in the middle of the week, pretending like it's the weekend, and so this is the show for all of you out there who are like-minded in that respect. Exactly. Josh, what have you been up to, mate? Good to see you here at the All Day Breakfast. Ah, uh, look, uh, not too much. Uh, I had... Uh, yeah, some stuff on last week. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple of medical procedures. Mm-hmm. Have you been watching Game of Thrones? Yes. Uh, yeah. Of course. So um, I I was binging a bunch of movies, mm-hmm. binging a bunch of Underbelly, and of course Game <laughs> of Thrones. I oh, see. Is I don't I don't know what Game of Thrones is. I haven't watched. It. <laughs> is it is what? it the, is it the thing where no? Honestly, I don't watch TV. I don't have time for. It. I got a very low attention span. So is Game of Thrones the game where people have to stand at the front of the, the toilets in Melbourne Central, and just wait for the next available toilet? Is that Game of Thrones or? <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Um, although, okay. in a weird way, you're kind of right this week. Right. There was a delightful montage of uh, Samuel Tarly doing his apprenticeship in the uh, the Citadel scrubbing out bedpans. So, uh, okay. you're, you're more accurate than you might think. Cool. What else have you been up to? <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I've been um, kind of out of action a little bit last oh, week. No. I had a, a colonoscopy. Did you catch any Pokemon? <laughs> no. No? Like, no Charizards, just... You're all good? No, no Pokemon? No Pokemon. Okay, what jazz track would you say best represents undertaking a colonoscopy? Uh, well, look, the oh, day beforehand, it's probably a bit of a, bit of a lazy river. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and? But on the day, um, I'd probably want to uh, try a little tenderness in the background, just, just reminding them to, to take it easy. How does that song go? <laughs> try a little tenderness. <laughs> yeah. All right, never mind. Hey, uh, on a scale of one to ten... Like one being a dilapidated suburban home with heaps of graffiti, ageing, rotting wood, broken glass, with grass just like growing over the fence, and it hasn't been lived in for maybe 20 years, and 10 being a freshly renovated four-storey, 17-bedroom, two-rack mansion <laughs> with marble bench tops, heated floors, and every bathroom has its own bath, like has every bedroom has its own bathroom with gold towel racks. How good's yours? Ah, uh, ooh. Oh, probably in in, not, in housing terms, not too bad. Probably seven. Yeah, so that'd be like a two, three bedroom suburban house. Yeah, look, bit of bit of wear and tear here and there, but it um you know still in pretty good nick. Oh, that's that's great. Hey, uh, what have we got coming up? Uh, well, next up we have uh, Chloe with Virtue, but mm-hmm. after that uh, we're going to go straight into the traffic and the weather. So stick around. Oh, hang on. Uh, just have you have you heard from Brent yet? No word from Brent so far. So he's he, I, I, he knows we're starting the show, yeah. Ah, uh, I hope so. I mean, you know, we 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 let him know. I think normally right? he's good, right? He, he normally texts you if he's late and stuff. Yeah, usually he's he's pretty he's pretty on the ball with that stuff. Okay, well, yeah. Hopefully he comes comes in. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. All right, here's Chloe on the all day breakfast C ninety point seven. It's the 
traffic report. So if you've just woken up, this is what you need to know to hit the roads today. All right, okay, here we go. Carnage had a set of traffic lights on Queensbury Street in Carlton. As a Lexus driver, in, in peak hour traffic, decided it was a great time to check for his golf clubs in the boot. <laughs> Having been stationary at the lights for more than 30 seconds, it was reported that the driver had the sudden impulse to check if they were still there. As the light turned green, it left drivers furious and made a passing cyclist nearly fall off his bike in a fit of laughter. <laughs> that was me. Um, I couldn't get enough of it. A horse carrying one passenger and a cart has caused long delays today in the middle of the city. Taking its normal route around the central business district, the horse went to make a left turn but failed to indicate because it actually has no indicators. <laughs> there were no injuries, with one driver briefly beeping their horn and a pedestrian was said to have looked up from their phones. To trains now, and the Frankston line was suspended on Monday because it didn't submit its homework by the due date. <laughs> Having had many warnings, detentions and detentions for disrupting class, Frankston was called into the principal's office at Metro Trains and given a one-day suspension. Other than that, there's a breakdown in the call to freeway, so avoid the area at all costs. That is the uh, all for traffic. So whether or not you should go outside report with Josh Parrish. Thanks, Eli in the sky. Oof, I love the backing music. And now it's time for the weather you should go outside report, where I advise our listeners as to whether they can weather the weather whenever or if ever they decide to leave the comfort of their nice warm bed. <laughs> and I must say, it's not looking too appealing out there as Melburnians shiver through the coldest month of the year with a light drizzle apparently capable of shutting down our, ent our entire rail network, our listeners may be tempted to give the whole day a wide berth. <laughs> but it is, however, a great day for Marcel Marceau impressions, with winds gusting at up to three times the average speed. So if you like to mime, it might be your time to shine. <laughs> and that's it for this week's edition of the Weather You Should Get Out of Bed report. Oh, so we shouldn't... No. No. Unless you're doing a Marcel Marcel impression. Walking okay. against the wind. Fair enough. Hey, uh, you know what it's time for? What is it time for? Of the week. Hang on, let's do that again. <laughs> <laughs> It's the all-day breakfast banger of the week. Yes, it is the banger of the week. Uh, we, we've got multiple shots at this. Um, we're going to 1970s Brazil now with a uh, funk band Ooh. called Azumath. I can't wait. It's it's red hot. Hey, uh, you're on the all-day breakfast. Coming up next, we chat to ABC News Breakfast, streaming po podcast host, uh, Utopia's newsreader. Uh, what else does she do? She's going to be on... Actually, no, let's not give it away. <laughs> Tamara O'Dine is going to be on the show next. <laughs> Welcome back to the All Day Breakfast. You're with Josh, Eli. No, Brent. Do you know where he is, Josh? I haven't. No signs of him so far. No signs of him so far. We still haven't heard from him. No. Uh, I've, there's been talk of uh, you know some remains being found in the Tasmanian wilderness. So we hope <laughs> for the best. Oh, that's pretty wild. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, we could ask our very next guest. You know. So, I mean, she is a news presenter on ABC News Weekends and also a streaming podcast host. And Please, she's just come back from Tasmania. Yeah. So perhaps you'll be able to shed some light. 
Exactly. Tamara Dine, welcome to the All Day Breakfast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm chuffed to be here. Look, I'm I'm repressing my inner fangirl because I watch you on the weekends and it's like you're here on the show. (laughs) Let it all out, Eli. Go for it. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're on here because... You've got a new podcast. I do, with my very good friend, Alastair Reid. Yep. He and I met in the newsroom about 13 years ago. He was an, ed- an editor, so he was cutting my oh. stories that I was reporting. Okay. And we've our paths have kept crossing over the years, and we've been speaking for a few years about, let's do a podcast together. Yep. Both of us have a production background in TV, and yep. we're mad keen TV watchers. So we thought, well, let's revisit some shows that have really stood the test of time mm. and run it almost a bit like a book club for TV binges. So you watch an episode of something that's on a streaming service, yep. then you tune in to us, listen to us bang on about it, and we meet one of the people who've made the show or been involved in the crafting of the show. So mm-hmm. the show we've chosen for our very first season is Underbelly, just the first season. Yep. It was shot in this fine city 10 years ago. Can you believe? It's so good, right? Yeah. So it's a 10-year anniversary. It's a quintessentially Melbourne story. Most people can remember where they were at a lot of the time, a lot of the crimes as they were unfolding. Yep. Um, and even just, you know, witnessing all of the saturation of media coverage that all of these violent crimes got over the years. So we're watching episode by episode and then we meet people like the directors, the producers, the actors, casting, production designers, just to sort of shed some light on how this whole process brings a story like this to the small screen. Where were you when it was when it was airing? I was working in ABC News as a court reporter. So Ooh. I actually had seen a lot of the main players in court cases. Did you chase them? Yeah, we did. Well, not, you know, fighting crime, but down down William Street out the front of the courts. Wow. Absolutely. So what happens with court reporting is you're not allowed to take cameras inside, by and large. No. Um, but you can get footage of people as they're coming and going. So all of the media camp out on the steps of the Supreme Court, which is where most of these guys were appearing on and off. Um, And then you see them coming from down the corner and you get a nice long shot of them as they walk into court. And then the same thing happens when they leave. So I was at Carl Williams sentencing behind when he was behind that big sort of bulletproof screen. Um, I was there on the day that Tony Mockbell didn't turn up. For his drug importation trial, we were, we'd been covering it. He was out on bail yep. and he was to turn up for another day's hearing and we we're all sitting there watching an empty chair going, uh-oh, <laughs> what's going to happen here? Wow. And, of course, you know, he absconded and went to Greece and the rest is history. So, Josh, where were you when uh, Underbelly was airing? I was, I think, 12 years old. So, um, <laughs> so was, did you watch it? Uh, I don't you? think I would have been allowed to, no. even if I'd asked. And also, it was banned in Victoria That's at the exactly time. right. So there was an 11th hour um, uh, injunction. Yeah. Uh, the Supreme Court decided that because there are a number of murder trials that were still going on mm. at the time that Underbelly was meant to premiere on Channel 9, the Supreme Court made the decision that this is not fair to those trials. The people who were facing trial couldn't hope to actually receive a fair trial and also it would be too influential on juries as well. So it was banned, you're right, Josh, from going to air in Victoria. But that didn't stop many, many, many people getting their hands on bootleg copies so still a lot of CDs and DVDs. DVDs. Do you oh, know what wow. that is? <laughs> yeah, I do. 
it's, it's a little quaint when you're talking about that on the podcast, like the sort of bootlegging mm. of it. And um, <laughs> even I think it might have been John Sylvester who mentioned that, like, uh, the gangsters themselves would have been ordering That's coffees right. for all their friends. Exactly right. So, I mean, Underbelly was probably one of the first shows in Australia that was binge-watched in that way because the rest of the country had to be a slave to the appointment-viewing style of things, whereas people who were getting the DVD copies in, you know, envelopes at the local car park or at building sites mm. could just sit and watch back-to-back episodes, which wasn't really that common then. Now, mm. of course, Underbelly's on Stan, and that's what we're watching it on. Yeah. You can watch as many episodes as possible. How many did you watch last night? Uh, I think I, I got up to where Carl Williams cops one in the Underbelly. In the Underbelly, right. <laughs> uh, having never seen it before, I got hooked. <laughs> I got hooked. I, was, I stayed up far later than I should have. <laughs> I, um, I, I've, I was hunched over last Laughing when you told me that last night, I fell over. It's like you've got one job, knowing what our interview <laughs> subject is on for. It's fresh in my mind. Yeah. Well, good. I'm pleased you did your research. I'm really impressed. But I want to talk really about how this show blurred the lines of fiction and reality. I've got a little clip here of mm-hmm. Guyton Grantly and what it was like to be in that bridge between the underworld of Melbourne with very unnice people live and playing the role of that in the show. Here it is. What kind of blowback, for want of a better term, did you get around your portrayal of Carl Williams from that sort of scene, the, the underworld itself? None. Besides that one comment, I think he said I, I played him like a retard or something, or retarded. Or, mm. um, and that's fine because, as I said at the beginning of the interview, it, it's not exactly a replica- replication, but I can say a lot of his contemporaries I'd meet in bars and colourful characters would come up to me and say, I rolled with Carl, I knew him, and you got him spot on. Wow. Um, so I've never really had any criticism from anybody, but I met Mick Gatto last year at a charity function and he said I did very well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how scary was would that have been? I know. That was the excellent Guyton Grantley, who, of course, played Carl Williams. Yes. Now, he was a relative unknown before this role. This role really propelled him to a quite a high status of fame. He won AFI Awards for it. Yep. Uh, and in that interview, actually, he talks about what he calls the crows. He couldn't walk down the street without people yelling out, Carl, 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 Carl. (laughs) People thought that he was Carl. Yeah. So much so that a friend of his made a short film for Tropfest, I think it was the following year, called, you should Google it, it's funny, it's on YouTube, it's called Being Carl Williams. Yeah. And in it, he plays himself Mm -hmm. and he gets kidnapped by a couple of crooks who spot him having coffee at a Bondi cafe (laughs) and bundle him into the car thinking that he's Carl Williams. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's great. It's really good. So, look, yes, it was an interesting time for him because he was associated with anything to do with Carl Williams to the point where when Carl was brutally bashed to death at Barwon Prison, journalists were calling Guyton Grantley for a comment on it. And his his response was... (laughs) I just played him in a TV show. I have nothing to do with this guy. I've never even met him. I don't know him. So, yeah, it was a a strange situation for him to be in, being synonymous with that scene because of the way he portrayed it. I just find that that would be really, really scary. Yeah. Like, because Mick Gatto comes up to you, hey, mate, how you going? Like, and then you're that, you're that, you're that, that thing between reality and fiction. 
but yeah, he, he he's handled that so well. He has, and look, most of the actors who we've spoken to for the podcast, we um, this week's episode we're dropping on Friday, and we spoke with Damien Walsh Howling, who of course played mm. Andrew Benji Venyman, which was a formidable character Scary. in this whole very underworld war. Um, and he did such a brilliant job. There was quite a transformation in terms of his look. So Benji Venyman had these epic tattoos on each arm, so yep. all of that was painted in. Um, skinhead, and he's you know really built. Um, he was he was the apple of most of my you know elder women's at the time. Like you know most of people's eye. Like well, he was very attractive. He was, and he was sort of treated in a way as the heartthrob of the underworld because mm. when he died, all of the death notices were just full of notes from women saying, I love you, babe, you know, to the most beautiful man I've ever met. He treated women really well. Yeah. Um, and he was known as sort of, you know, the kind sort of gangster. I know yeah. it sounds odd to say that. Gives you roses just after <laughs> yeah. shooting someone or something like that. <laughs> but we asked Damien, lovely guy, we said to him, you know, what's it like playing somebody in that world? Does it come with an element of pressure and fear that, you know, you're going to hear back from people who are associated with these guys? Yeah. And he said that by and large, they were all, any contact that they did have or feedback that flowed back through to them was really positive. Wow. So people who knew Benji have come up to him and said, mate, you nailed it, completely nailed it. And that's that's the best part about Underbelly. Like, you just, it is so real mm. and so... It hits all of the right notes. It does. Look, there. in terms of the storyline and the scripting, there is a, a fair bit of artistic licence involved. So yeah. there's a lot of, you know, um, fiction in some of the characters that are based in fact. But it's a really interesting cultural artefact, I think, yes. for our city because it was such a, a big time in terms of crime here yeah. that it's still at the forefront of many people's minds, I think. It is. It is quite nice to see Melbourne represented on screen, even if it is the setting for grisly gangland yeah, murders. Yeah, and, and, and it is very much a spot the location too yeah. when you're watching. I haven't watched it for 10 years, and so Al and I are stepping through watching episode by episode and then discussing it. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing how much of it stands up. It does feel da- dated in some ways. So I think you were saying earlier, Josh, that you find some of the narration in it grating. Yeah, it is kind of funny that... Little did they know that mm. Carl Williams would one day rise up. What a wrong. <laughs> and look, to be honest with you, that's probably for the benefit of someone like you who's watching it with fresh eyes. Um, just to sort of help you through, because it covers a fair bit of time from 2000 and f- no, sorry, from 1995 to 2004. Mm. And we're talking about, you know, 30-odd plus murders here. So to try and simplify that into a storyline that's easy to for viewers to digest was the main goal of all of the producers and the scriptwriters of the show. Yeah, and uh, the showrunner you had on was talking about how if, the, if it didn't, if the the murder didn't relate to the story of Carl Williams, mm-hmm. they wouldn't include it. Exactly, so exactly. So they had to make it as easy to digest as possible because it's quite a tangled web and a very mm. complicated story. So yeah, Greg Hadrick, the showrunner, mm. joined us for our episode last week, and uh, and yeah, told us all about how they sort of tried to attach along a narrative spine any sort of murders that were associated with Carl were in any. Anything else that might sort of cloud the waters a little bit was out. Yeah, wow. And I just want to touch, like, are all these people 
are they now retired because they have so much free time to come on the show and like they're, they're, they're retired from from the success of this show that they can just come on like where are you pulling them from <laughs> no um it's amazing because the people who are involved in underbelly have very very fond memories of that production. So at the time when that was being filmed in Melbourne, it was a really big deal. Mm. So they'd built this incredible ensemble cast um, who are now quite big names. So there were people like Roger Corsa, Cat mm-hmm. Stewart, oh. Damien Walsh Howling, yep. Guyton Grantley, as we've spoken about. And of course, there were some big names too that Vince. you know had, had been around. Pardon? Vince Colosimo. Vince Colosimo is one of them, absolutely. Um, so there were some very recognisable faces, but a lot of fresh new talent on that show too. And speaking to a lot of the people who were involved in it has been great because they all have extremely fond memories. It was a really fun shoot, but they were also acutely aware that they were doing something that was very different Mm. at that time. So, So we haven't had too much... Too many knockbacks, really, when we call wow. and say, hey, we're doing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about Underbelly Season 1. Do you want to come and share your memories from that time? People, by and large, have been really keen. So this week, we're interviewing Kat Stewart, which I'm so excited about. She, of course, played Roberta Williams. And mm-hmm. that was probably the first time we saw her in earnest. And she's gone on to do all sorts of great things. She's shooting Offspring at the moment yeah. in Melbourne. So, yeah, these people are all very busy but are making time for us on weekends or after hours to come and do our humble little podcast with us. And this is just, for Al and I, it's very much just a side project. We've both got day jobs. Yeah, right. And you're just, just fitting it in around. That's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Streaming podcast, Inside Cult TV. We can still, I think we've got to talk more about this. We've got to go to a song. Okay. Uh, but the, the thing is, I feel like we're going to be here for hours. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. It's great. I love it. Um, Gold Class with Rose Blind here on the All Day Breakfast more with Tam right after this. Welcome back to the All Day Breakfast with Josh and Eli and special guest Tamara Dine. That was uh, Gold Class, Rose Blind. And uh, yeah, we're talking about uh, Tamara's new podcast, Streaming Cult TV. Uh, it, we, the first season is all about underbelly, the deepest underbelly deep dive that you could possibly imagine. <laughs> and uh, Tamara, you have a, a background in sort of behind the scenes work. I do. Know? So even though my current job is very much in front of the camera. The face of facts on a weekend. Oh, I love it. Can, <laughs> can I use that in my bio somewhere? You can. Thanks, Eli. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm very much sort of on air at the moment. Yeah. But the first half of my c- career in television was all behind the scenes. So I'm, I have a production background in mm. terms of script writing. I started in children's TV oh. as a researcher and a production assistant. Yes. Writing project sheets for Totally Wild viewers at Channel 10. <laughs> did you watch that show? Probably. What else did you work on? Um, I've worked on Big Brother as a oh. director's assistant. So, <laughs> so I used to role play. So we, at our school, we used to role play the various characters of the time. And yeah, my which character, one was your favourite? Well, my role play was Fitzy. Fitzy, excellent. <laughs> yeah, so in, in my friendship group, I was Fitzy and I got evicted. It was, it was a tough day that day. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so I worked on the first two seasons of that yep. on the live eviction shows at Dreamworld. So oh. I was living in Brisbane at the time. 
Um, and the director's assistant works in a big sort of van out the back of the stage. So Gretel mm. Colleen was there with the studio audience of, you know, thousands oh. of people. And we didn't know who was going to be evicted until that minute because we had the lines, the voting lines were open until mm. I think it was 8 o'clock or something was when the announcement was made. Yeah, yeah. And then it's 8.05 and then it went into an air break. That's and then right. they, they walked back in. I remember it so vividly. Yeah, me too. It was <laughs> great. So I'm out the back wearing headphones, counting everybody in, timing out the show to the ad breaks, mm. standby fireworks, standby Gretel, yeah. assisting the director in terms of what camera shots are coming up next that we'd rehearse throughout the afternoon. And then once, you know, whoever's been Fitzy or whoever's been yeah. um, evicted, evicted uh, gets in that little golf cart and gets driven down towards the stage, mm. then we're madly scrambling to run the packages that have already been pre-cut in terms of, you know, their highlights in the house. Yeah. So that was a great gig. It was an excellent team. Mm-hmm. Heaps of, you know, I was in my early 20s then, loads of people around the same age, lots of the crew had been flown up from Sydney, so they were all on holidays at the, at the, the Gold, Gold Coast. Coast. Yeah, sweet. And we worked at Dreamworld, so we'd go on the Tower of Terror in our lunch break. <laughs> it was great. That's the best. Yeah, it was. It was really great. And then, you know, they'd walk past with the tiger cubs or whatever. It was oh, excellent. That's great. Um, so I just do want to ask you, as a broadcast journalist mm-hmm. and presenter, yes. What does your employer think about you going narrowcast? Look, they're quite <laughs> happy with it, to be honest. Um, well, they're not upset. No, no. no. Um, <laughs> it's, it doesn't have any impact on my news role. No, um, of But not. I am talking about, um, you know, my news experience in this podcast in mm. terms of being in the court vicinity at the time that a lot of these things were playing out in court. Um, but, yeah, like this is just a little side project and it's fine, I think. And, and you know... I just wanted to diversify, and Al and I were interested in learning some new skills. So yep. I'm, you know, our IT person, and I'm not a great IT person, I've got to say. We're well, just doing it all ourselves. Well, the next minute you'll be coding. You've got to start somewhere. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that is my goal, actually. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'll keep you posted. Hey, um, we've got the biggest question in the whole – like, we've asked heaps of questions. Mm. But we're going to ask the the biggest question in the planet, Josh. It's time to get serious. It's Ooh. so serious. All right, I'm standing by. I mean, the solar system, apparently it it revolves around the sun. Like our galaxy revolves, revolves around the sun, but no, it doesn't. It revolves around this question. Mm-hmm. All right, are you ready tomorrow, Don? Hit the big me. question. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> tomorrow, Don. Host of uh, streaming podcast Inside, Inside Cult TV and ABC News presenter, what do you eat for breakfast? Shall we talk about what day first? Because it depends on the day. Um, or are you talking about just a general? Y- y- what y- would I have y- your the favorite, majority of the week? Yeah, your favourite breakfast. All right. Well, at the moment, I'm on a real Labner vibe. Have you ever heard of that? What's Labner? Labner is like a homemade soft cheese Mm-hmm. Very easy, very cheap to make. You just get a big tub of yogurt, yep. salt it, wrap it up in a chucks, yep. preferably a clean one, and you hang it up for a couple of days and all of the liquid drains out of that yogurt. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're both looking at me horrified <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, and then, then what happens? Then it solidifies slightly. Yep. You take it out of the bag, roll it into little balls and roll it in some ducker, uh-huh. put it in a big tub of oil with some coriander seeds. It's yum. And so then I'm having that on toast with a bit of honey drizzled on the top and a cup of tea. I don't know whether to be wow. uh, terrified or... <laughs> I like... am astonished. That is amazing. So you, you, there's a good weekend of prep 
going into your what no, is it, lab nut? Not, lab nut. Not a, it's not a weekend of prep. It's pretty easy. Okay. I've got to be honest. But, yeah, I'm on a, I'm a real bent with that at the moment. It's great. If I don't have any of that kicking around, it'll just be a bit of peanut butter and jam on toast <laughs> with a cup of tea. <laughs> That's probably what I'd plug for, just effort-wise. Lab nut. I never knew that was a thing. Thank you for teaching me something new. You've been schooled, my friend. I have. Hey, um, where can we find the podcast? You can find it on iTunes. Just look for streaming Inside Cult TV. And when you're there, please subscribe. Mm-hmm. Please leave us a glowing, blush-inducing review as well mm-hmm. because that's where people, that's how people find us. Look. And it's also wherever you get your podcast. So it's on Overcast too, whatever your app is that you might use. It's, uh, well, reviews are the currency of the, of the podcast world. Correct. <laughs> and where can we find you? Well, uh, I'm generally found lurking around the ABC at Southbank. <laughs> that's where I'm currently working. Hendo's away at the moment, oh. so I've got the Monday to Thursday gig for five Whee. weeks. Wow. Well, do you know what that means? It means facts. It means five weekends off. Five weekends off? Yeah, because hey. I normally work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So I'm working uh, Monday through Thursday doing 7 o'clock news at the moment for five weeks. And then I'm filling in for Raf Epstein on Drive on 774 for two weeks after that. So delving into radio for the first time. First time. Very fun. Well, the thing is... Just give, just be like, hey, I was trained for this. That's right. By the this all-day breakfast. This is going to hold me in very good stead. <laughs> so thank you very much for having me. Oh, that's that's. Thanks for coming on tomorrow. It's been an absolute delight. Actually, before we go, yeah, Brent, we haven't seen it, Josh. Do you... Yeah, I had been told that there was a number three here, and I'm a little bit feel a bit gypped. Yeah, only two of you. Josh, you haven't heard from him. No, no, no word so far. You, you didn't see him in the in Tasmania while you were well, there. Well, I've just been. I've just got back from Tassie over the holidays, mm. and um. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of him here, and I've got to be honest with you, I'm sure I've seen that guy doing some heavy-duty lurking. Heavy-duty lurking. Mm. Okay, so you saw him around. I, I think it's Bernie area, because we've been trying to ring him, but um, apparently... So North Coast, you're concerned about. Yeah, North Coast. Apparently, it's only stringing, stringing cans, so okay. phone reception's not very good around there. Right. Okay. Yeah, I actually found that when I was there. Yeah, right. I was off the grid, <laughs> just because I didn't have a, a carrier that could be... Uh, reached anywhere where I went. Um, but that's good. If he's on the north coast, then you must be in the clear. Okay. All right. It's in the clear. But you have seen a lurker. I've definitely seen a lurker with hair like that, for sure. <laughs> All right. So stick around. We've got to find out where Brent is right. tomorrow, Don. Thank you so much for coming in to the all-day breakfast. My obscene pleasure. Thanks, guys. <laughs> We're giving you five stars. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Here's another pro tip from Pip. Hi, it's Pip here. After brushing your teeth, don't drink orange juice. And that's another pro tip from Pip. It was Sloane Peterson there with rats. You're in the all-day breakfast in 90.7. Still no... Have you... You haven't seen Brent yet, Josh, have you? Nope. No sign of Brent. He's All right. M-I-A. Hey, who have we got? What have we got now? Well, before uh, that lovely Sloane Peterson song, you heard from um, Sin's own Pip, Eunice, uh, membership experience manager. She's full of knowledge. She's full of, full of good tips. Yep. And you know who else is full of knowledge? This Collingwood midfielder, Josh Smith. He is our resident expert on all things. Josh. Dr. Josh. How are you? I'm well, boys. Good to be here. It's it's good to have you on. Uh, sorry, I just need to go through, with, just for the listeners at home, you're the left-right back for Collingwood, yeah, on, on the weekends? That's right. I actually was left-right back on the Gold Coast on the weekend. So, yeah, cool. Uh, 
awesome. But uh, the thing is, people don't know that you're an expert in what? Well, as most listeners will soon learn, I'm actually the most efficient man on the planet at taking the bins out. Um, <laughs> five, five minutes to seven on a Wednesday morning, boys, and depending on the wind, sometimes it's tick after seven, but uh, five minutes to seven every Wednesday, I'm very good at taking the bins out. <laughs> very good. <laughs> That's why you're here to tell us all about the exciting world of actuarial science. So, uh, for those who aren't up to speed, tell us, Josh, what is actuarial science? Yeah, actually, a bit of an easy topic this week, boys. So obviously, <laughs> uh, the, the listeners were just going to ease them in slowly, but um, simply, put, simply put, it's just the science of actually working things out. So, um, it's how, hum- how humans' brains, uh, it's how they determine the likelihood of a problem or event actually occurring. For example. Okay, so what kind of problems? Um, Are we actually working out? Yeah, let's try and put it. We'll try and put it in a real world context. So, um, let me just think. A common problem at my house at the moment is post dinner dishes. So, um, <laughs> in my house, I'll personally, the likelihood of me actually doing the dishes more than three days a week is is laughable. Like this, it would never happen. And that's not due. That's not due to a lack of care or laziness on me. That's just pure actual science. Um, <laughs> Another example, maybe, um, obviously in my profession, Dr. Josh, Mr. Knowledge, um, the likelihood of me getting my own coffee at work, um, (laughs) probably not going to happen. Usually the assistant gets that for me. That's not because I'm too busy expanding my wealth of knowledge. That's just the process (laughs) of actual time. That's just the real world. Um, So, what's the history of this? How long has actuarial science been around, Josh? Uh, well, so the wealth of my knowledge are just quite high. It's, um, every consumer have had problems, really. So uh, the first research was conducted off the back of the Greeks um, sailing the seven seas. Yep. And um, actual science actually assisted in determining uh, the 747 sailboat at that time that they used. Uh, it's science assisted in determining the chances of that boat collapsing due to I believe what was a strong southerly breeze at the time. <laughs> okay, so who are some notable... Finally, sorry, Dr Josh, I don't mean to you know, take you away from your field of research and your passion of knowledge. Who are some notable actuarial scientists that we should know about? Uh, well, there's a few, there's a few actually. Uh, Doppelgobbelis was obviously um, that ringleader, I guess, behind the, um, the Seven Seas adventure, but a couple... <laughs> A couple more modern ones. A friend of mine, actually, Dr. Caden Morang. Um, yep. Yeah, he conducted a study discovering the likelihood of being swooped during magpie season. Which is, um, <laughs> it's been beneficial for me, especially last uh, last spring. I'm well known for getting swooped by magpies, but a likelihood. Um, these studies really assisted me. And one that might surprise you, boys, is um, believe it or not, Dr. Phil and Jerry Springer are actually also known as actual scientists. Yeah. <laughs> they solve problems. They can also, they, uh, they find the likelihood of problems as well. So um, I guess people don't associate actual science with them, but they're one of the, uh, they're one of the higher end actual scientists going around and now. Obviously. Plenty of television time for them to display their talents. So there's a couple for you. Oh, Very Dr. Good. Josh Smith. <laughs> Collingwood left right back. Thank you so much for joining us for our resident expert segment. Hey, I don't think I played the stinger, but um, here is your 
little stinger for the week. Everything you never knew with the All Day Breakfast resident expert. You know when the ox cord isn't plugged in, though? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Josh, thank you so much. Are you going to be back next week schooling us in all things academics? Absolutely. Look forward to it. All right. All right. Cheers, mate. Uh, actually, I just have one more question for you. Go. So what would your friend Dr. Morang say about uh, the chances of the Magpies uh, sweeping in and getting a win this weekend? Uh, well, the likelihood should be, should be quite high. Uh, my man, my man Caden, he's um, Mr. Morang. He's uh, a very optimistic actual scientist. So, is um, his? As I said, a friend of mine, so potentially a little bit biased, but um, good vibes towards the Collingwood of Magpies on the weekend. Uh, just is is his his middle? Just quickly, is his middle name Lemon? <laughs> uh, very funny, boys. Very funny. Don't say that about my friend. Okay, so. <laughs> Sorry, all right, so <laughs> that's all for the all-day breakfast. We are, and also, you don't know where Brent is, do you? Um, well, actually, while you're bringing up, I, um, I think I did see him this morning while bringing the bins out, but he looked to be in quite a rush. I'm not sure if I can help you there, but he did look a bit agitated. Um, <laughs> might have been a bit nervous for today, Oof. so um, hope you find him, boys. Oof, the plot thickens. The plot thickens. <laughs> he still hasn't rocked up yet. It's what? 45 minutes. Oh, anyways, Dr. Josh, we said goodbye three minutes ago. Thank you so much for coming in. We're going to talk to you next week. You're on the all-day breakfast in 90.7. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Hey, that was LA Move with Virgin Song. It is time for... Oh, Knox caught again. The all-day breakfast. Hang on, let's do it again. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Can it work? It's the Obscure Sports Report on the All Day Breakfast. Josh, what is it? Tell us tell us about it. Eli, you're doing an unbelievable amount of multitasking over there. Thanks, doing my job. <laughs> oh, look, it does what it says on the tin. I don't think this segment needs a whole lot of explanation. Oh, you on know, the tin? It just, you know, it's the Obscure Sports Report. Just taking you inside, you know, some of the less covered, more uh, the further reaches of... Uh, of uh, global sports, and okay. uh, this is a global edition because it's coming all the way from Italy. Italy. All right, what sport is this? Specifically Florence. It is Calcio Storico, a.k.a. Calcio Fiorentino, a.k.a. Calcio in Costume. So historic football, Florentine football, or possibly football in costumes. It is maybe the most violent and dangerous sport in the world. What? So, football wearing what? Wearing, well, okay, so debate rages as to whether it's actually a sport or if it's a historical recreation. Or if it's just a backyard game that grown-ups have made. <laughs> yeah, look, it's um, it goes back to, well, arguably Roman times, but they're mimicking something from the 16th century. So the costumes are these 16th century style military pantaloons that they wear. And they're topless. Okay. Um, and uh, instead of numbers, they're given uh, individual symbols like sea lions or eagles. Okay. <laughs> so there's 27 players on each team, mm-hmm. plus a non-participating captain who acts as a general. Yep. And each team has a flag bearer as well, which is just there for decoration. They don't do anything else. Um, so um, <laughs> it's played on a piazza, um, so with sand just on top of the pavement. Um, and it's uh, 80 by 40 metres, roughly. Yes. Um, and the aim of the game is to just get the ball in the goal any way you know how. So, okay, so any any way you know how could be tickling your opponents. <laughs> it could definitely be tickling your opponents, but it's frequently not so tame. So um, basically, 
The only rules are yeah. you cannot strike a player from behind or when they're on the ground. You can't kick them in the head and you can't gang up on someone. Only 1v1 duels. So, Anything else is fair game. So what you're telling me is, you know how you're standing there and the, the, like people just kick the back of your knee out from yeah. under you like and just and they laugh at you because like, oh, I got you. You can't do that, can you? Oh, no. That would be considered playing from behind because I get that at work all the time. Yeah. And I turn around, I'm like, I horse kick them. You're like, I'm going to break your knee here. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? You know yeah, that one? Yeah. yeah. You can't do that. So none of those dirty, cheap shots. Right. But just full-on brawling punch-ups are fine oh. as long as they're not on the ground. So um, the goal right, yes. runs the entire width of the pitch uh-huh. um, with a chest-high wall in front of it. Yep. And it extends about three feet above the chest-high wall. So um, there's a, there's also a risk involved. So you can't just shoot from anywhere because if you shoot over the top, yep. you give the opponent a half point or oh. a caccia. These goals are called a half caccia or a caccia, which means hunt. I don't yep. know why. Um, so the Florentines do this to celebrate the Florentine Republic, which lasted for about uh, five minutes after they <laughs> overthrew the Medici family. Yeah. Um, and so they were under siege by Charles V uh-huh. in response to this you know, yep. rebellion. And uh, in defiance of the siege, they staged a game uh, between themselves, um, which is, you know, and subsequently lost the siege. Um, I don't know if they had anything to do with the extreme violence that they were (laughs) inflicting on one another. Yeah, I I feel like they were way too distracted to be able to worry about, like, a siege taking over their whole entire city. Absolutely. But um, Henry III uh, Mm -hmm. of France once attended a game in 1574, and he described it as too small to be a real war and too cruel to be a game. (laughs) And that's another. (laughs) It's the Obscure Sports Report on the All Day Breakfast. Oh, Josh, you've just uh, taught taught me something. It's all about learning things here. all about learning. You know what we've learned as well? Brent still hasn't rocked up. (laughs) We've learned that he's maybe not as reliable as we thought. No. uh, So tomorrow... Josh, Dr. Josh said he saw him t- taking out the bins. Yeah. Tamara saw him lurking around North Coast Tasmania. Mm. And I haven't seen, like, he hasn't texted you either, right? No. No Facebook messaging. Nothing. Yeah, no calls from me either. So we're going to have to see where he is then. All right, right after this, you're on the all day breakfast, C90.7. We're going to work it out. That's what we're going to do. Getting to the bottom of this mystery. We're getting to the bottom of it. Hey, you're on the all day breakfast, like I said, just before. <laughs> Welcome back to the All Day Breakfast. You're on Sin 90.7. I'm Josh. I'm with Eli. And our co-host is mysteriously absent. He is. Conspicuous in his absence. You know, there's a funny thing about Brent. Um, You know, he... Let me just... Can I call him? Yeah. We got to call him online. Keep going. Yeah, right. Uh, Look, he, um, he hasn't seen the sun... In about six months, uh, he works as a bartender and a comedian. So um, maybe that's why he hasn't come in today. We're, we're going to give him a call, try and get to the bottom of this mystery. All right. All right. This is calling Brent. Hopefully, it's Brent. Ah, uh, this is this is this is the all day breakfast. Brent, are you there, mate? Yeah, boys. How are we? How are we today? Uh, what are you? Why are you whispering? Uh, look, boys. Look, I'm so sorry. I know today is. Um, let, let me just step out here and give me one sec. What do you? Hang on. What do you? So you know? Take? Yeah. What do you? Uh, okay. Sorry. Sorry, boys. Uh, look, I know today's the first show. Uh, yep. I've been listening at home. It's been it's been fantastic. I'm so sorry I haven't been in there, but um, you may know I've been back and forth from Tasmania this last fortnight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's big news. It's big news for me. Uh, I've recently became a dad. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, yeah, I uh, just just last week I adopted a pet rock, and um, 
yeah. yeah, no, it's uh, no, don't laugh, boys. It's uh, it's really crucial, actually. Um, I, I. So what you're saying to me is, Josh and I, you're saying to us that you didn't come in today because you're looking after your pet rock. Yeah, boys, this first few weeks, they're crucial in its development. I'm this rock's rock. Can you imagine how much of a responsibility that is? <laughs> no, I can't, please. What, well, what's his name? Uh, his name's Clyde. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? Yeah. Well, he's a baby, guys. He's a little pebble. He's not doing much at the moment. But he's one day going to grow into a big boulder. He's going to be, he's going to be a national... I saw people are going to come from around the world to see him, and I've got to put in this hard work these first few weeks. Just really make sure that he's he's going to be up and about. You know, do you have any idea the responsibility to be a rock's rock? I can't imagine. Uh, you sound like you're pretty pretty on the ball with this. You sound like you're, like you're like Earl Woods or someone, just raising up your your rock to become a great from day thanks, one. Thanks, Josh. I knew I knew you'd have my back on this. I knew you. Yeah, I knew you'd have Eli. I'm a little disappointed if I'm being honest. <laughs> well, I, and that's coming from a new dad. You know, uh, that's my new dad voice. Okay, so I just need to get it just before we go because we do have to go. But are you going to be here next week? <laughs> <laughs> you know I love you. You know I love this. Look, give me, give me this week and next week. Okay. To, to get get him out of his infancy. I'll yep. come back August 2nd. I'll be there for the August 2nd show. Okay. All right. Oh, look, we, we sympathise. We forgive you. It sounded like you are between a rock and a hard place with this one, so... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, oh. That's right. All right, so now we know where Brent is... It's time to wrap the show. Brent, thanks for actually finding out where you are. Because jo- jo- Josh and Tamara were looking for you. So we- I saw Josh this morning, actually. I was, on a form- I was on a formula run, actually. He was out putting out the bins, and I... Uh, yeah. yeah, spotted him. Yeah, wicked. All right. So, August 2nd, that's when you're back. Can we still call you anyway, like next week? Oh, of course, boys. I love nothing more. In fact, uh, I'm a little, I feel a little left out. Do you mind if I say good morning to our listeners? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, good morning. Go. All right. I'll just, I want to pretend I'm there. Just let me get, let me get that in there. Just good late afternoon, our listeners. (laughs) Yeah, cool. I think you had, you should have done that an hour ago when you were here. (laughs) It's all still late afternoon, and if anything, that's thematically in, informed for our show. If you're is. waking up late, you don't have a rush to do anything. <laughs> no, we don't. Hey, Brett, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, that is the show for this week. Next week, who have we got on the show, Josh? Uh, we have Harry Hart. He is uh, he's a musician. He is in to talk about his new EP. Uh, we'll also have weather, traffic, all the usuals. We'll uh, be calling Brent, I think, and trying not to wake his newborn. A pet rock, really? <laughs> Anyways, I'm behind it. This is the first, very first episode of the All Day Breakfast. Big shout out to tomorrow, Dine. Um, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Bebo. But I'm going to leave this with you. And that's all for this week. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Bebo. And be sure to catch us here on Sin 90.7 for the All Day Breakfast.